0: Hello and welcome to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hartis, and Today, we are breaking down all things on the Week 11 DraftKings main slate. No Thursday night, Sunday night, Monday night football. Strictly afternoon goodness here. We'll be going through cash tournament. All the good plays that you could hope for. As always, I'm joined by none other than PFF analyst, the prop prophet himself, Andrew Erickson. Andrew, how are you, my friend? Doing
1: good. Huge win for the Patriots last night. Hoping. Hoping they <laughs> came away with the victory last night against the Atlanta Falcons, but no, I'm doing good, doing good, man. We got Thanksgiving coming up. I'm excited about that slate. That's going to be fun, but we got this week 11 slate. Um, yeah, it, it's interesting because it seems pretty clear that, you know, you got Dallas and Kansas city as like clear chalk and then a bunch of games I like don't want to touch like at all. So there's a really interesting approach to this game or to this slate from like a game theory perspective. And especially because that game is in the late window. So like late swap is, is so far in play. It's going to be, it's going to be fun.
0: Absolutely. Tons of different tournament options. I do think we have a pretty solid cash core build up. So we will start things well with that as always. When we're talking about cash games, people, once again, we are talking about head to heads, 50 50, just games where we are trying to set the highest floor possible, trying to beat one person or half the field, not hundreds of thousands of different people. So with that in mind, Andrew, looking at quarterback, you can pay up all the way into, you know, the Dak, the Mahomes, the Josh Allen territory, spending 7K plus. But I think as we'll get to with the running back and wide receiver positions, there are some other guys we would rather pay up for. So I really think the question this week comes down to, do you want to get up a little bit higher and get someone like Jalen Hurts at 6.8K or do we want to risk it all, go down to 5.1K and take Cam Newton against the league's worst defense at fantasy points per game allowed the quarterbacks. Andrew, I'm on the Cam side. I just really like the way the rest of the lineup is looking. And I think it's a rare situation where you can, you can, Cam. (laughs) whatever stack him with Christian McCaffrey you can do the QB running back stack and not feel too bad about it you have McCaffrey catching 10 freaking passes a week due for some touchdowns and Cam obviously is just as likely to score once they get inside the five yard line so like no I'm not in love with Cam in this spot but I think if you just look at like our base quarterback rankings he's a top 15 top 16 quarterback this week and he's being priced right alongside guys like Jared Goff Tyrod Taylor and Trevor Lawrence so Andrew what's your take on the Hurts versus Cam, or is there another cash game quarterback you would like to build around?
1: No, I think those are the, the main two. I think Cam is, is clearly the best value down at 5,100. Makes too much sense. Football team doesn't have Chase Young, so you're going to wonder, you know, how effective is their defense even going to be now? You know, the defense has not been great so far this season. He's the top value in PFF's DFS optimizer just based on his project. I mean, he's been projected to score, you know, 20 fantasy points. And if that's what you get out of your 5K price quarterback, like you are you're you're livid like you're you're hyped yeah. up and, and i like the fact that you mentioned mccaffrey because he's a more run obviously want to try to get in and he's obviously more expensive than he's been in the last couple of weeks and re- we really haven't been paying up at running back in cash because we no. just have like these free squares all over the place so it kind of feels weird it's like okay I, I gotta spend money like on a running back but <laughs> cam newton kind of counterbalances that and especially because they do play on the same team so and you're not tilting if mccaffrey gets you know, vultured at the goal line by Cam because you have them both. So I think that makes a lot of sense playing them together. You're kind of, you have outs in multiple facets because it doesn't matter who scores the the rushing touchdown. You know, it's going to be one of those two guys. You're just happy that one of them scores
0: losing chase young from this defense i mean there is arguably like n- arguably not a bigger loss that a team defense could be facing out here we know that secondary is rough the only reason we've seen them kind of go from god awful to below average a little bit over the past few weeks was because of the pass rush stepping up so if you take that part of the defense away it truly is problematic at all levels with mccaffrey man it's just crazy his three full starts this year he's finished as the rb1 the rb3 and the rb4 he's only scored one touchdown like it was almost the opposite Opposite last year where he had this wild touchdown pace that couldn't keep up. This year, he's getting all the receptions and the usage to be the usual cheat code we've seen. So maybe not playing that 90, 95% snap rate anymore, but they're still feeding him the touches, all we really care about anyway. So Cam at 5,100 does make a lot of sense. My only concern, I guess, with Jalen Hurts, Andrew, is that... He's been playing well, like, last week as a passer, even. He should have had three touchdowns in the first half, but Quez Watkins dropped that one, beautiful one. We know we got the rushing upside, but the Saints might be built to kind of stop the type of quarterback Jalen is. I know he got over 100 rushing yards against him last year. It took something like 20 rush attempts, though. This truly is one of the best run defenses in the game. And honestly, it just comes down to, like, Eagle Saints. That's, I think, the single lowest game total on the slate. I would like to avoid this slow-paced, ugly matchup if possible.
1: Yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. And the projections are really close. I think Cam's actually projected for more fantasy points this week. than Jalen hurts is, you know, hurts is just, he's running so pure literally and (laughs) figuratively because he, the guy's never not a top 12 quarterback. Every time he's played four quarters in his career, it's it's, it's up to 12. I believe now 12 starts, (laughs) he's just been a top 12 quarterback. So like, he just finds a way to get it done no matter what. and, And that's why he's usually the first guy I look at in cash, but, because we have Cam, who is just, he's just mispriced. Like, yeah. he should be more expensive, especially because, I mean, like, we didn't, you know, DraftKings doesn't know that he's going to be the starter. He hasn't even been named the starter technically yet, but he's going to play the most snaps over, even if they sprinkle in some P.J. Walker here and there. But, I, I mean, I think the pairing with McCaffrey is really that thing that has me comfort. Like, I, I'm not concerned about, oh, well, what if Cam, his his shoulder shot? Like, okay, like that means he's going to throw the ball to McCaffrey 10 times. <laughs> like, if McCaffrey scores 40 points and Cam scores 10, like, you're fine like cam could literally get 10 points and McCaffrey gets 35 plus and and you're feeling good. So, I think that makes a lot of sense
0: we were talking before the show you can do a lot of what we're going to talk about the other positions with Jalen Hurts I just think we can get up to the higher the better guys if you do go ahead and save that extra 1700 with cam so moving right along the running back yeah Christian McCaffrey even at 8900 Andrew I think it should be in the 9k range you could argue that he is still a little bit underpriced relative to what we should expect he is, just has the highest floor and ceiling of any player in fantasy football for him to rip off 26 points last week without finding the end zone I mean there were three separate drives where they were inside the 10 two of them I like the one yard line where it should have ended in a CMC score unfortunately it didn't so going back to the well with McCaffrey in cash this week and feeling good about it from there Andrew I was looking up you know I like to start at the bottom of the uh, price scale and just work my way up to the top as I'm looking through these and I saw a bunch of guys in the 5k range I was like oh Darrell Montgomery we got some options here and then I saw the two that everyone are gonna want to I think rightfully squeezing the lineups. James Connor and AJ Dillon, 6100, 6200. We got Dillon going up against a Vikings D that really just almost allows teams to run on them at this point. One of only three squads allowing a positive EPA per play against the run. And then we got Connor going up against the Seahawks team that is second to last in fantasy points per game allowed to opposing backs. So Andrew, I think we're both in agreement that Dillon needs to be in there as the every down back of a, a Green Bay offense So we're expecting to have success this week. We're stand on connor versus going down to someone like daryl williams or like dave montgomery though because it would free up six seven hundred dollars of space and i would be open to an argument that connor isn't that big of an upgrade over those guys if kyle murray is going to remain sidelined
1: yeah i, I think that it depends on how you're like looking at wide receiver like if you obviously go down from james connor daryl williams it gives you the luxury to pay up a little bit more at receiver which There are a couple 4K guys, but how many 4K guys do you really want to play? Do you want to play Tyreek Hill? So I think that from a roster ship perspective, like James Conner would probably be pretty popular, and if you don't have him, and he, you know, has again, like the guy just scores touchdowns. Like, on, it doesn't matter. Like, this is his year for touchdowns. Is his it's his the Garrett Blunt season? Like touchdowns. We'll talk about regression all off season about James Conner, but it's not happening. He's in tied with
0: he's tied with Jonathan Taylor for the most like, most fantasy points above expectation this year. It's ridiculous. He's <laughs> it, playing well though. Like, it's not been locked by any. You can say it's luck, but he's playing well. It's like, we're not trying to shit on James Conner here, but I, I know what you're saying. Yes.
1: Yeah. Like <laughs> it, that's just, just enjoy the ride. Like that, yes. that is his season's here. We'll, we'll talk about the regression in the off season, but I mean, he's in a great spot. You know, the Seahawks have been the second worst team against running backs in terms of fantasy points allowed, you know, 80% plus snap share last week. And he still scored a touchdown, like as bad as the Cardinals were last week, he still like got it done. And that's why his price didn't move. Like there were a lot of other great running back plays last week that you could pay down the 4k range. So nobody really played. James Conner last week, even though most weeks he would have been one of the most popular running backs because he was in the 6k range, but he was a bell cow. He's a bell cow again. So I think that he makes a ton of sense there. Again, I don't mind going down from Daryl. We got to get confirmation still that, you know, Edward Slayer isn't going to return and it is a late game. I think that we'll probably find out on Saturday though, you know, if Edward Slayer is going to be activated. So Williams, I think makes a lot of sense to pay down for but I mean, I think there are ways to you pay up for, for Dylan and and for James Connor to have them both. And, and I think that they're they're clearly the better. I would still like like in a season-long lead, right? Angela, like we want to play like Connor, Daryl Williams, Dave Montgomery, it's like, I want to play Connor over those guys.
0: I agree. Where do we stand though on Daryl versus Montgomery? Because yes, Dylan, Connor, I think there is a gap between them and these other two backs. But Montgomery, man, I know he had the bye last week, but he came off before the bye playing. His usual 80% plus snaps. Khalil Herbert was not involved as a 1B. He was the clear backup. We didn't have Damian Williams in the picture, but we kind of saw earlier that Damian Williams, other than that kind of weird week one, wasn't going to come in and be that Tariq Cohen, like actual taking away every target uh, type role. So for me, I'm a little more inclined to maybe go with David Montgomery over Daryl Williams at the same price point, particularly, or, or excuse me, Montgomery costs $100 more, but particularly if we can save some roster maybe that's more of a tournament move again i think we're fine going with dylan and connor anyway but curious on your thoughts with montgomery versus Williams. straight up
1: i think that i still like daryl a little bit more the pass um, catching
0: floor is higher the for the pass sure.
1: catching floor is higher DraftKings is ppr scoring and i mean game environment like I mean, I mean, this game is going to potentially go like off the rail, like bonkers, you know, Dallas and Kansas City. So, I mean, Williams has touchdown equity. He gets goal line carries, especially if there's no Clyde Edwards. Slayer. they don't really use anybody else except, you know, Derek Gore on that one fateful (laughs) drive on Monday Night Football. They use they they featured Derek Gore. And I think that if you play Darrell Williams in the flex, it gives you some wiggle room. You know, if your lineup doesn't do something, you know, someone gets hurt or or whatever. You know, Cam Newton like just totally sucks. You can swap off Williams in the flex for one of these late later guys. I'm yeah. um, in the afternoon slate to try to catch the field. Now you can swap to a wide receiver. You know, playing in the late game, you could swap to T Higgins straight up. So you could have Higgins instead of there Williams. You go four wide receivers. So I, again, whenever it's like t- like close, like well, who plays in the later game? Like who can I? adjust expectations based on what has already happened. So I guess I would lean slightly towards Daryl because of that reason
0: very fair I do like Montgomery in tournaments and we'll get to that a little bit later only other real options to look at I think people could be you know just taking a little gander at Miles Gaskin 5700 against the league worst Jets defense and fantasy points per game allowed the running backs he's had the role without Malcolm Brown but he has been so egregiously bad with these rush attempts you do wonder at some point if someone like Salvin Ahmed could eat into that and obviously Dolphins Jets maybe not the sort of uh you know Cowboys Chiefs game environment that we're (laughs) looking uh, to get Andrew really going out on a limb there uh, with that one I think the cheapest running back and there really aren't many of them this week but the cheapest one you could feel even somewhat good about is Alex Collins at 5k if Chris Carson remains sidelined with the neck injury which is looking more and more likely even then though the way that Seattle offense looked last week it could end up being more Travis Homer in a you know negative game script than anyone would appreciate so I do think trying to go McCaffrey Dylan and James Conner is the move in cash games this week and at wide receiver this is where we're going to be saving a little bit of money because we want to get up to either Tyreek Hill or Devontae Adams you know whichever one kind of fits uh, your cup of tea I think Tyreek makes a little more sense since we're already going with AJ Dillon I know it's concentrated with Dillon being the lead back Devontae having more target share than just about anyone but I mean yeah let's go Casey and Dallas let's get this exposure particularly if we're not going down to Daryl so let's avoid the RB wide receiver stack if we can just take Tyreek Hill I don't see anything wrong with that and from there Andrew it seems like to save money we gotta go T Higgins at 5,400 and then probably Michael Gallup at 4,200 we're feeling pretty good about both these guys Higgins in particular man just in game straight up where it's been him and Chase active which has happened seven times this year Higgins has one more target than Chase now Chase more air yards better receiver I think we can say I'm not trying to say Higgins should be ranked ahead of Chase or anything but clearly much closer I think of a disparity between them that will play out in the Second half compared to the first, and then with Michael Gallup immediately came back in to three wide receiver sets. Didn't have you know the eighty percent snaps that you'd hope for, but that I think was more so due to the Cowboys just beating the piss out of the Atlanta Falcons and not needing to play their starters for the entire game. So Tyreek Higgins, Gallup, Andrew, is that we're rolling with the wide receiver?
1: Yeah, I mean that's kind of the the core build. I think that an honorable mention if you know if you are trying to pay up a little bit more at quarterback maybe you can't you could always go up to like tua or something like that you know waddle is you know you could just exchange him with t higgins if you have some extra money waddle makes waddle actually has a higher target share with tua understand like actually a lot of his efficiency metrics are just significantly better with tua than Jacoby. i mean go figure but you know he's a better <laughs> quarterback 24 percent target share versus 20 um and his average depth of target is like is twice as high. So Waddle has a higher ceiling with Tua. Understand they're playing the Jets, and the Jets are obviously uh, terrible. Uh, Rashad Bateman is the other guy. So he's at 4,500. I mean, he's been a top 30 receiver in terms of. Real fantasy points per game, expected fantasy points per game. He's he's priced outside the top forty guys. Mm-hmm. Bears defense has not been good against wide receivers over the last four weeks, so I think Rashad Bateman again. If you have to play two like four K receivers alongside with Gallup, I think Bateman, who's just really been he's been steady Eddie. Like he's been fine playing him. If you've played him in DraftKings like the last couple of weeks, whether it's been on the showdown slate or just in cash in general, like he's delivered you know every single week. So I think he makes a lot of sense. Um, if you need to find some cheaper options at receiver.
0: I did see a note. I was trying to find the news. I believe, yeah, him and Marquise Brown didn't practice on Thursday. Marquise is dealing with the thigh. Bateman's was just underclosed. So I know Lamar and I think the center, they've had an illness, non-COVID illness going around there. So wouldn't immediately sound the alarms, but just something to keep an eye on ahead of Sunday. With that, Andrew, again, we got Cam at QB, McCaffrey, Dylan, Connor as our running backs and flex. Tyreek, Higgins, and Gallup at wide receiver basically allows us to go cheap, cheap, At defense and also tight end. I think we have two kind of key options at tight end. And those guys are going to be Cole Komet at 3,400 or Gerald Everett at 3,100. I guess Adam Troutman's there. But I am really worried, man, that because he didn't lose them the game, but he lost them the chance to tie the game when he had the false start, like, Peyton, you know, I won't repeat the words he was saying to him, but it was pretty clear when he watched the video, like Sean Payton was not pleased about Troutman there. You know, I was more so on Troutman last week because Jawan Johnson had been a healthy scratch the week before. That didn't persist. He was back out there. So I really would like to stay away from Troutman in cash, but you can go commit. I guess CJ Uzoma, Gerald Everett there at tight end. This is assuming we're going down and getting a defense of 2300 or less. So kind of out of that low 3K tight end group, Andrew, who sticks out to you?
1: Yeah. I think I, I like commit the most. I, I think that, I mean, he has a 21% target share since week seven, like, like that's that, that's third best among all tight ends. And and he's like, we're talking about him as like a punt tight end. He like, he's only like a legit, like good tight end to play in season long weeks this week, I think. So I think that he was the guy that stuck out to me the most. And we've been nailing these, these punt tight ends, basically every single week, except for Will Disley <laughs> in week two. So I, I think that we we trust the process here. We chase the routes run and commit, top 10 routes run per dropback rate this year. The matchup is there with the Ravens third most fancy points allowed to Titans this season. So yeah, I think commit makes the most sense. And yeah, like Troutman, it definitely is a little bit more fringy of a play. He also saw his, his routes decrease last week because Juwan Johnson was active. So it was like two weeks ago, Juwan Johnson wasn't there and Troutman was up in like the 70% range. It dropped a little bit and that's enough to kind of like get away from uh, Troutman in cash. And I guess for Gerald Everett, I because like, the matchup's not great. Cardinals have been pretty good against tight ends this year, except for the one week that they played George Kittle. And the only other thing with him is like I, I don't expect like Metcalf and Lockett to both like suck as bad as they no. did for a second straight week. So I'm like, I, I feel like that had to do with like him seeing eight targets that Russ was like not connecting downfields like whatever I was thrown over the middle. So I feel like I know Everett's usage was really good still too, but I think I want to get up to get that 300 to get to commit. That's what I definitely feel this, the best about.
0: Ever got us there in week 10. We thank him for that. 2,600, (laughs) we were all in on that. That's great. I do think Komet is the play. Justin Fields and this Bears offense were looking far better two previous weeks before the buy And Even with Jimmy Graham, who, as we know, was not traded because he has no trade clause. Even with Jimmy Graham being back in week nine, we still saw Komet get eight targets in a robust 77% snap rate. So this really isn't one of those, like, you know, Pat Friermuth, Eric Ebron situations where like one guy comes back and it's like actually a 50-50 split. They've given Komet the full down roll all year long. It's just kind of Graham comes in for a few red zone looks here and there. So, yeah, I think that's a good call with Komet. That leaves us just a little bit of money to spend on defense, 2,500 in particular. Now, if something happens with the Lamar Jackson illness, he, he's had this happen so much this year. So
1: Yeah, I know. He just like gets sick and then he just like throws for five touchdowns. <laughs> yeah,
0: so I'm expecting him to be out there. If not, you could go with the Bears defense at home at 2,500. I think that would make a lot of sense. Obviously with Cam and McCaffrey, we're not really trying to play the Washington defense against them. Not feeling good about Minnesota against the Packers. Not feeling good about Kansas City versus dallas detroit versus cleveland or houston versus tennessee i think that gives us two kind of real options andrew jacksonville against the 49ers at home or the jets against miami at home and as much as i think the 49ers are better than the dolphins This Jacksonville defense, particularly the pass rush, is actually good. And Shaq Griffin, I think, is one of the leagues, maybe not most underrated corners, but he has been a quality corner over the past two years, going back to his time in Seattle as well. So as you know, Jimmy G has a good primetime game and everyone thinks uh, this is the guy, but I don't know, Andrew. It's like that uh, meme of uh, the wrestler Sting, you know, taking off his mask and he's just got the same mask on Um, again. Like Jimmy G is still who we thought he was. I'm not going to let one good game distract from the fact this guy was definitely Dead last in turnover worthy play rate and big time throw rate for the previous nine weeks of the season, Jacksonville at 2300, Andrew, should probably be our pump play defense of the week.
1: Yeah, and I, I like them in tournaments too because they're not getting a lot of steam in terms of projected roster ship, and, and that's what we want. Like, you want the cheap defense that's not only like a good play. But also one that's like not being played a lot. Like yeah. the, the the worst process in tournaments is is playing a really popular defense because again defenses it's so random the way that it's scoring that it's really impossible to point out oh this high projected roster chip defense is going to smash it just does, it usually doesn't work out that way so jacksonville again garoppolo is pff's worst graded quarterback under pressure this year and the jaguars ranked second in pressure rate so like give them some credit they shut down the bills two weeks ago they shut down the colts last week like it looked like jonathan taylor was going to literally rush for like 500 yards <laughs> after the first quarter and i'm like wait what happened like they just they just they're, they're better defense than people are giving them credit for people just see jackson like oh they suck urban meyer he sucked like and that's not a fact like back-to-back weeks of solid defensive performances that are, are kind of they indicating. shut down the
0: bills. And yeah. everyone was just like, well, the bills screwed up. It's like, <laughs> well, you got to give Jacksonville a little credit there.
1: Yeah. So I think Jacksonville makes a ton of sense um, at 2300. I think that they're definitely, I'd rather play them over the jets because the jets are just like, you look at the match, like, okay, like jets, it's like, no, but the jets are like legit bad. Like, I, like, I don't want to play. Like it's like when we played the lions, like the last couple of weeks, it's like, okay, they got like three points. Like it worked out, but it's like, there were better options available. I think Jacksonville kind of stands out.
0: I think a lot of times when we see more conservative quarterbacks like Jimmy G, like Teddy Bridgewater, we just assume that they take care of the ball, even though that isn't the case with Jimmy G this year. He's had, you know, let's see, in his last six games, he has thrown five interceptions. He has had games where he's taken four sacks, five sacks, and he's also fumbled five times this year. So I get it. When they have all their weapons there, this offense can put up 30 points, but we're literally only two weeks removed from this guy tossing a pick and getting sacked five times against a Colt McCoy the Cardinals team, so no, it's I'm also, not.
1: Also, um, West Coast team, East there Coast game, one o'clock. Like this, dude, this like totally screams like yeah. trap game for the Forty Nine ers. Oh man, Trey like Lance is gonna be in the. Trailets is playing the second half. Calling it right
0: now. I don't know. The starting running back has a broken finger. That doesn't seem ideal for holding on to the football. You know, <laughs> call me, call me crazy with that. But okay, Andrew, I like uh the way this one went. So we got Cam quarterback and cash game lineup people. Cam quarterback, McCaffrey and Dylan as our RBs, James Connor and the Flex, Tyreek Higgins and Gallup at wide receiver, commit at tight end and Jacksonville at the D. Little wiggle room at tight end. And I think if you want to maybe go up to Gall- go up from Gallup, you can go down from like James Conner to someone like Daryl Williams. So there's a little bit of finagling around here. Again, if you want to go from Cam up to someone like Jalen Hurts, even Dak Prescott, I do think it's doable. You just kind of need to get off one of these higher priced uh, running backs or wide receivers and just make a small move down. But I do think that's a pretty good core and a good lineup to feel good about. As always, we'll be back here on the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast on Fridays to help change everything. Like Andrew, I mean, we did our show last Thursday, we find out... Oh yeah, Alvin Kamara is out. Oh, Damian Harris is out. Like Ramondre Stevenson and Mark Ingram should now be jammed to every lineup. So, you know, please don't just take this blindly and, you know, fire it up. Say, I'm done. Like, here we go. Here's my lineup for Sunday. (laughs) I'll check uh, how things are on Sunday at 8 p.m. It can change in a hurry. But as things stand right now, this is how we're feeling. And again, we will be back to help, you know, adjust and manage, massage some of these takes on the Friday edition of this podcast. Let's get some tourney talk, though, Andrew, always a little bit different. Now we're trying to be contrarian, go after some guys that maybe the rest of the public isn't on quite as much, and go ahead and try to take down one of these large field tournaments. So over at the QB position, I see that, you know, you like Dak, Lamar, and one I think in particular that could be a great play this week, Joe Burrow going up against the Raiders D, playing more cover three than just about anyone, and don't look now, Joey B been pretty freaking fantastic against that coverage.
1: Oh, baby, yes. Joe Burrow, PFS, fourth highest graded quarterback against cover three defenses this season. I I like him a lot. And I think that, again, I talked about this at the top where there's so much ownership on this Dallas Chiefs game in the late window. So I think it's really smart. The way to approach this slate is to pay attention to the guys you play in the early window. And if things don't work out your way with the terms of the chalkier players you play or the players that you play that are less rostered, then you can swap. Like you can go into this week with all DAC lineups, all Mahomes lineups, like ready to like eat so much be a chalk monster. <laughs> and then you just pivot. You're like, oh no, I'm gonna pivot off. I'm gonna swap off of Mahomes and go down to Burrow, and then swap off CeeDee Lamb and go down to Jamar Chase and like have a Bengal stack. Like you can do this in a lot of different ways. So I just think that Burrow makes a ton of sense. He's at sub five percent. Raiders are ranked third in fantasy points per game allowed to quarterbacks over the last four weeks. No one's going to play him just because we want this Dallas Chiefs game. And, and rightfully so. Like, that's the game that's going to shoot out. But we've seen Derek Carr be good enough to at least push the other team so I could see this game having some good pace, some passing yards. I mean, if you look at the passing yards props for Derek Carr and Joe Burrow, it's pretty high. Like, it's not as high as Dak Prescott and Patrick Mahomes, but it's up there. So on a in a slate where there's really not that many great games that look like they're going to shoot out, I think that this game is probably the one of the one that may get overlooked, which is why I like Burrow. And I, re- I really like Chase a lot too. Like Chase, we know he can break the slate as a guy who can put up 30 points. And I mean, he's at sub 10%. So if I can get a Burrow, even with Higgins too, like a Cincinnati Bengals stack at under 10%, like sign me up.
0: Well, it looks like Higgins is going to be the chalkier guy, which I get. That's why we have him in cash, and it makes sense. He is underpriced at 5400 for sure. But this is a great opportunity in tournaments to just easily get off of the chalk, go with Burrow, go with Chase. If you want to throw Boyden there or Uzoma, that's fine. And you can always bring it back with Waller or Hunter Renfro on the other side. So I think the game environment is a great point because we have Cowboys Chiefs at 56 points. That's the highest game total of the week. Y'all go all the way down to 50, though. And then we have Colts, Bills, and Bengals Raiders sitting right there so this really I mean if Cowboys Chiefs duds it's possible we have seen the Chiefs look awfully mediocre aside from (laughs) one game against the Raiders where who refused to play anything other than the defense that you know got them there in the first place wouldn't be shocking if the Bengals and Raiders end up really shooting out and being the week's highest scoring game uh, by any stretch so I like that call a lot Um, last other one I would want to really hit on I think Aaron Rodgers in a bounce back against a Vikings defense that I still think we're waiting to see someone just absolutely shred uh, makes a lot of sense because let's not forget everyone, this Vikings defense, they really were be better this year because of la- compared to last year because the Neil Hunter was back. They were able to get their pressure rate back into the top five after being one of the league's worst defenses in that last year. And what's happened really since they've lost to Neil Hunter against those Cooper Rush-led Cowboys? Lamar Jackson goes bonkers in an overtime uh, win for the Ravens, and he, I think, worked as the QB1 that week. And they played the Chargers, who are refusing to let Justin Herbert throw the ball even 20 20- yards downfield these weeks and they managed to get away with that but I think Rodgers something that we haven't seen have you know that 300 yard three touchdown blow up in a minute dude threw seven combined touchdowns against this defense last year and again without the Neil Hunter you could argue it's an even worse version uh right now as a stand so Rodgers Adams bring it back with Jefferson Thielen whoever I do think there's a chance that this Packers Vikings game is a little bit higher scoring than it's getting credit, credit for at the time. Any other quarterbacks you really wanted to go over, Andrew? I know you might have a couple things about Dak and Lamar, but, you know, they're kind of always on the GPP radar. Yeah,
1: I, I think that Dak or uh, Lamar makes makes a ton of sense. I mean, he's not going to be as popular as the other guys we mentioned, and and he can score so many fantasy points. I know, like, yeah. Josh Allen's actually getting, of you know, just kind of looking at the, the top-tier quarterbacks that aren't playing in, like, the, the most obvious shootout. It, Josh Allen is actually getting more steam than Lamar Jackson. They're both priced over 8K, and I just prefer Lamar over Josh Allen. I actually, it's tough because it's you got to like really pick your your spots with these top tier quarterbacks because we all know they're good. We all know they can score 30 to 35 points. But what was interesting about Allen, at least I found out about, you know, just looking at, you know, the scheme of the Colts, the Colts also run a lot of heavy cover three. And, and that's where Allen has really not been great against cover three this year 77.4 70, passer rating versus cover three, ranks 29th out of 35 qualifying quarterbacks. So, look, we like, we got to make a, a decision. So I, I have to make a choice on, okay, like why should I not play Allen? And, and this is why. So yeah. it's also hard to figure out who to stack him with. Like, okay, is it going to be a visa game? Is it going to be Sanders? Like digs? Like we don't like, no, it, it's really hard to pinpoint where with Lamar, Oh, Hollywood Brown, Mark Andrews, like <laughs> sick. Like it's, it's really easy. And then guys, those guys are all cheaper than the bills pass catcher. So I just prefer Lamar straight up over uh, Josh Allen.
0: Moving on to some running back talk. One guy I'm seeing that's pretty low, maybe because he's got Nick Chubb right above him. He's got DeAndre Swift, Joe Mixon a little bit below him. Ezekiel Elliott, though, sitting there at 7,700. Yeah, he's on the road, but this Chiefs defense, if there is one thing you can definitely do against him, it is run the football. We've seen this over the years, just the way they play. They are very content to let teams not throw the ball and run the ball accordingly, which more times than not is fine. But, you know, we kind of saw this when, a similar defensive philosophy the Chargers are playing teams like the Browns and the Ravens like that strategy is fine until you face one of these few teams and the Cowboys are in there that are so explosive and good running the football that you really can't just let them do that so Zeke you know coming back from the knee issue he didn't look maybe a hundred percent last week but I think the only reason his usage was down was because that it was a situation where again the Cowboys are up 36-3 or something at halftime so if this is a competitive shootout there's no reason to believe that Zeke won't be seeing 20 plus touches in a game that hey if he scores multiple touchdowns as he's prone to do nobody would be surprised so going with Zeke here against KC and maybe the Cowboys are just able to get up against the Chiefs team that let's face it has been worse than the Cowboys for the season as a whole I know the potential I know the upside and I'm not saying this is the most likely route that's why we're looking at it in tournaments so Zeke probably my favorite higher priced tournament option of the week from there, I think it's just kind of a few notes to uh, maybe get off of some of these chalky guys. Again, we got Dylan, we got Connor in that 6K range. You don't have to go down far to find guys that still have upside and are gonna be cheaper and also accordingly, lower owned. Michael Carter at 5,800, Miles Gaskin, 5,700, Dave Montgomery, 5,500, and Daryl Williams, 5,400. I know Daryl might have a little higher roster ship than those guys, but still, we're getting off the main chalk to guys that still have, you know, borderline three down roles. They do have that in Montgomery. Maurice case and they have the sort of pass, pass catching chops that we want to look for on DraftKings final note if you really want to get cheap the only guy I think I see Andrew below 5k is Naeem Hines at 4.3k they've just been keeping Jonathan Taylor on the field a lot though so I'm not even really too far in on Hines but I think it's more a testament to the fact that we have no low priced running backs this week so those guys in the 5k range might actually be your best bet of building a little bit uh you know more of a contrarian lineup you go really as far down as you can go at running back to pay up a little bit more at wide receiver while I think people are looking a little more at the opposite approach in tournament land. Now, Andrew, I do see you got some takes here. Josh Jacobs, Deontay Foreman. I like him, my friend. Tell the people why.
1: Anytime there's a a low roster Titans running back playing the Houston <laughs> Texans, I just feel obligated to play that player in tournaments because it's just a tried and true approach. Like anytime the Titans play the Texans, they just literally run the ball down the throats. Now a lot of that has to do with Derek Henry being the running back. That's no longer the case. Deontay Foreman has look to at least like slightly edge out Adrian Peterson. So yes, it's obviously a fringier play, which is why it's for tournaments and not necessarily in cash games, but it, it really wouldn't surprise me at all. if foreman, you know, dominates the touches, you know, breaks off a, a big run or two against a bad Texans defense. So he's cheap. Like, you know, a lot of 4k running backs, we got to play them last week. You know, it was a, embarrassment of riches at, at the cheap running back position. We don't have it this week. So Foreman maybe can be one of those cheap running backs. And then Josh Jacobs, I, he's kind of like the pivot off of the two other really popular 6k running backs, So the Dillons and Connors, you know, Josh Jacobs is right there in that range. And he's got a really good matchup. You know, the Bengals have been one of the worst teams in terms of stopping running backs in the passing game. And Josh Jacobs has, like, seen his pass game work increase. Like, that's kind of what's been holding him back. So, again, another guy that you can potentially swap onto later on in the late o'clock windows where you're looking for a pivot. I think Josh Jacobs makes a ton of sense there. And I did want to actually ask you about Zeke in particular. So, when I was looking at the roster ship, it looked like, you know, it's obviously, like, Dak, CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup, like those are like the really popular plays. So, and it was, it was Elliot and Cooper that stood out as like the low rostered yeah. Cowboys guys that are like probably like the leverage plays of those two. Like, do you like one more than the other from Zeke or Cooper as like, okay, I want to get the low owned part of a high scoring game.
0: Probably more so Zeke, but I'm fine taking shots with both. I wouldn't put them both in the same lineup or anything, but I mean, Cooper we see him do this, man. He's always been a little bit more of a boom bust guy. <laughs> you only have to go back though, what three weeks that Cooper Rush game when he had over a hundred and a touchdown. So only the upside. Only on prime
1: time, Mari Cooper blows. It's his two games this year that he's oh, blown right. up are the Sunday night game and then the Thursday night game, the home opener. Um, I think, yeah, I, I prefer Zeke. I just like I looked at Cooper. Like Cooper's target share, like is like not great. Um, they
0: kill he- everyone, though, in a lot of these games. And, like, we're yeah. seeing CD Lamb even not have that crazy target share. Now, CeeDee Lamb, better than Amari Cooper. We are seeing that. He's better than maybe all but five or six other receivers (laughs) in the NFL at this point. Uh, But Cooper's still pretty awesome, man. So, like, I remember before the year, I had Cooper ranked higher because I thought the targets would still go to Cooper. And I think they have been pretty close still, but Lamb has obviously overcome that uh, with flying colors. But for a one-week game, like, yeah, let's go with Cooper. Why not? I wish there I was someone we could do this on KC though. Their wide receiver snaps are more jacked up than
1: ever. Oh my god. No, it's just you don't want to play any of them. Like what Josh Gordon? Josh Gordon, shout out. Shout out to Josh Gordon in the back. Uh he's four targets this year. It's <laughs> not good. But he
0: le- leapt up to number two in usage last week and we cole Hardman got the shaft, so sorry people. Oh, Sorry, people, I'm still coughing, but need to mute my mic, so I don't piss you off too bad. Moving right along, though, Andrew. We got some GPP wide receivers to feel good about. Uh, You mentioned before with Lamar Jackson. I think that's a great call, and go get his number one receiver, Marquise Hollywood-Brown. Just make sure this thigh injury isn't anything to worry about. He has not practiced this week. We've seen him miss some practice times throughout this year, come back and be just fine. So uh, if he's good to go on Sunday, doesn't have an injury designation, I wouldn't downgrade him. Just something to keep an eye on. Um, Also, you know, talked about maybe not putting too much stock in the one bad game from Aaron Rodgers. I think the same applies to these Seahawks receivers, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, the most unrealized air yards in the entirety of Week 10. And they're going up against a Cardinals secondary that I still think is pretty mad, man. We saw last year Tyler Lockett go absolutely bonkers against them because I didn't think it was like a correct reason. But Russell Wilson, as we saw throughout his career, I think really was prone not to target Patrick Peterson because, you know, for the early parts in Russ's career, Peterson was one of the best cornerbacks in the league. We saw Metcalf cook him several times. Like, this was never a situation where Metcalf couldn't beat Patrick Peterson's coverage. Either way, Peterson's out of the picture, period. So I do think that Metcalf could finally have a chance to blow up against his Cardinals defense. It's just always a matter of targets for Metcalf. I don't think anyone can guard this dude one-on-one in the entire league. We saw that when he beat your ex-boy, Stefan Gilmore, uh, early on last season. Um, I think my favorite play, though, Andrew, might be Michael Pittman at 6.1K. The biggest thing for him, I mean, we were just talking about it with Amari and Metcalf a little bit. It just comes down to volume, everyone. And for Pittman, it really just has been game script over the past two weeks. He's caught 10 of his last 11 targets for, let's see, 135 yards and a score over the past two games. He's been playing great. We just haven't seen him get overloaded with targets because in three of their last four games, they've won comfortably by double digits safe for the Jaguars game that they were still pretty, you know, up heavily and not too worried about for the majority of that game. The only one in between was their only competitive game against the Titans and Pittman got fed 15 targets in that one. So I know this Bills defense, they're number one against quarterbacks, running backs, and wide receivers in fantasy points per game allowed. They have been a juggernaut, but Tre'Davious White doesn't shadow number one receivers. So we have Michael Pittman as the undisputed number one, hopefully seeing more volume than he's been in the past, which really has been the only problem with him. So I get it. We're not going with him in cash, but in tournaments, anytime we have a good wide receiver that I think we could see, get double-digit targets in a matchup that, hey, you know, I think he can win it. I think he's good enough to get it done. Those are the types of guys I'm looking at in tournaments. So Michael Piven at 6,100 is someone that I will be shoving in some tournament rosters. Final notes is that, again, if you want to go cheaper, cheap, cheap, cheap at wide receiver, it is easier to do that than at running back. Corey Davis, 5K, Ayuk, 5K, Tyler Boyd, 4.8. Even getting gross, Marcus Johnson, 3.5K, and Quez Watkins, 3.7K. Uh, might be a little point with Marcus Johnson, but hey, Andrew, it is the Texans after all, so can't go too wrong when you're playing anyone against that defense. Uh, I see you're on the same page with me with Tyler Lockett, Hollywood Brown, but man, Andrew, I guess with these injuries, we got to look at it. Tell me about Sammy Watkins.
1: No, it's not, it, No, it's Quez Watkins, so thank true. God. Okay, I was about to be like, <laughs> what the hell? No, oh, no, man. no, it's, it, it's, it's definitely still Quez <laughs> Watkins. Chris, I'll, just, I'll just hit, I'll add, no, I'm not i i can't i would not be able to look at my parents if i played sammy Watkins in any type of any type of format that i was sorry mom i can't on. come home
0: for thanksgiving this year i played sammy Watkins in uh, tournaments last week
1: yeah i mean i like quez walk i do like quez on i know you mentioned him i i will add a little fuel to the fire so again dell scott we know he's dealing with a concussion we'll see if he suits up um even if he does you know we saw Chris Watkins have a 26% target share last week. You know, same as Devontae Smith. Like, he's clearly kind of asserted himself as the number two behind Devonta Smith. You know, he's kind of pushed Jalen Rager out of the lineup a little bit. And look, who popped off last week against the Saints defense? It was Marcus Johnson. Like, it was the exact same play. So, in in a world where we we kind of see this happen a lot, where, and it didn't necessarily play out this way. You know, we didn't really see Marshawn Lattimore, like, lock down A.J. Brown. Um, But we could technically see that play out in this game where Marshall Landmore does play a little bit more on Devonte Smith. We see Quez Watkins get involved a little bit more. You know, he ran around on 90, 92% of Hertz's dropbacks last week. He saw two deep targets. And obviously you talked about the, just the massive drop he had. Like if he had that, if he caught that pass, he'd probably be over 4k, like his, his price would just be higher. So look, we want to chase the air yards. Quez Watkins, I think is an explosive player in the saints rank second in deep ball rate face this season. So Ooh. Quez Watkins, I think he's underrated. I think that if you're going to play Hertz, even if you play Hurts in tournaments, I think that Watkins can be the just the skinny, the, the simple stack that you make, just two players. Um, because that's it's a boomer bust play, and I think Watkins has the upside in this matchup. Matchup's good, he's getting good usage. So, all signs point to Quez Watkins, not Sammy.
0: Only other note I just want to bring up real quick we went through our cash game stuff already. We did get news that Alvin Kamara was downgraded to a DMP on Thursday that would open up Mark Ingram at 5,400. Same price as Daryl Williams. So I'd probably
1: just play, i probably play Ingram over Daryl. Yeah. But do
0: we even worry about it still? Do we just keep, because we weren't going to really roll with Daryl probably anyway. Like, would you want to get off our current build just so we can have Ingram in Philly? I don't know, because Connor McCaffrey and Dylan, like I'm ranking all of them ahead of Ingram regardless, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it'd be dependent on if we can get, so who who the receiver, so it's uh, Gallup, uh, Higgins, and Hill.
0: Yeah, so if we take out Connor and put in Ingram, that'd be the move. I guess we'd be trying to upgrade from Gallup. Let's see what we could kind of do here. That would leave us with only like 5,100. 5,100.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's entirely possible. It's like no one to like, really, like if, if there really is anyone like, Oh, like this is a significantly better upgrade here then okay, let's do it. But if not, then yeah, I mean, they're all going to kind of Ingram Connor, like, like you said, like you're going to rank those guys ahead of Ingram anyway. So if you can't really find a spot where it feels good to move up, I mean, I guess you could move off of cam and get a better quarterback, but yeah. I think that you're still kind of priced out based on where he is. I mean, you can move up to like two, uh, it's like, Oh, well, probably just play Cam like fields like just play in, yeah
0: i think ingram like daryl is a viable cash game bag and if you don't want to put him in there i don't think you necessarily have to last week it would have been again i think we all saw you know stevenson uh ingram and our uh, other guys just really getting that cheap running back discount 5400 not really quite the same um i think there so all right andrew before i get too far off topic let's finish things off with some tournament tight end options Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller getting most of the love, and, you know, deservedly so. I think they're most people's top two tight ends this week. I know Waller's been letting everyone down. He did have a touchdown get nullified by a hold last week, though. You would like to think they'll figure things out uh, sooner rather than later. But, hey, maybe they don't. And with that reason, we could have George Kittle and Mark Andrews coming in a little bit under-owned. So, you know, we are we seem to be hunting all the Ravens uh, this week, so don't forget about Mark Andrews for sure. Uh, I guess my last point would be Dawson Knox. At 4K, just someone that we saw go back get his role. It's always a little iffy with this Bills offense, that's for sure. But hey, Cole Beasley, someone that only played nine total snaps last week, I believe it would make sense over a larger sample if Dawson has a bit bigger role in an offense not featuring uh Beasley. And finally, like Andrew, the things Jared Goff has done to us this, this year suck, but he might be out of the picture. He's had this oblique injury. Why not go to the well with T.J. Hawkinson 5700, coming off a catchless performance. Like it was disgusting. He was literally the overall tight end one, though, the game before their bye week before this. So, if you can just take your view a little bit longer than what just happened last week, I think you'll still see that Hawkinson has that overall tight end one upside during any given matchup. But I get it's a little bit disgusting. I think I like one of your uh, calls here a little bit better, Andrew. And that is none other than everyone's favorite wide receiver that we still call a tight end, Mike, just sicko mode.
1: Yeah, Mike Koseki, 5,200. Makes a lot of sense if you do like two of doubles in tournaments. I mean, like that that works. Like just play Tua, Jalen Waddle, Mike Goseki, and then do something else. Like, this is all you really have to do. It's really cheap stack that works. You know, it's very concentrated between those two guys. And anytime you don't have to play a tight end, like is good. Like you don't want to play tight ends. I mean, Gusecki, we're talking about Hawkinson and his terrible game. I mean, Gesecki is <laughs> coming off an equally terrible game. He actually had targets, but he like did not catch a single one of them. And it's because, guys. He's he's matched up against DBs because he's not playing against linebackers and safeties, so it's tougher on these guys. It's tougher on Pitts. I know you tweeted out, you know, why Pitts's you know yards per route run are are worse against you know cornerbacks. It's like yeah, because they're they're better at covering guys (laughs) in the open field, like not like
0: linebackers.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So Kiseki, obviously, yeah, we like that he's being used as receiver, but you know there is a pros and cons to that type of usage. So at fifty two hundred, again, he's playing the Jets, who are really bad against. Wide receivers. So that's that's what I'm doing. I'm not looking at Goseki at tight ends anymore. It doesn't make any sense. You know, Alan Lazard is basically playing as much tight end as Mike Goseki is this season. So uh I like Goscki here against the New York Jets. And then I also like uh Dalton Schultz. So again, kind of like a similar play with um Amari Cooper. I mean, everyone's gonna play Dak, Michael Gallup, CD Lamb. Like that's like the move that people want, and that's not gonna work, probably just because like whatever we all think is gonna happen usually doesn't happen. So I think Schultz. You know he's seeing awesome usage since Blake Jarwin's left the lineup. Ninety-one percent routes run per dropback rate. He's he's projected for sub five percent. And the Chiefs have been actually bad against tight ends. Like that's actually where they've given up the most production. Is not actually receivers. It is mostly to the tight end position. Fifth most receiving yards allowed to tight ends. And we've seen Schultz have big games. Like if Schultz catches two touchdowns from Dak Prescott, and you have that stack, like you are burying every other Dallas you know lamb stack damn that cooper stack like you're going to bury those lineups yeah. so i think schultz um is a great leverage play
0: yeah, Schultz was a better ball away from scoring touchdown himself last week as well. Don't be afraid just to fade one-week sample sizes, everyone. It's not the <laughs> hardest thing ever. We have enough weeks at this point where we don't need to hang our hat entirely on what happened last week. Realize it is a week-to-week league. We're going to see some duds happen. Quickly on defense, I like to just go over some running backs. that I think if you want to pay up and stack them with their team's defense, makes a lot of sense. This week, James Conner with the Cardinals defense going up. In Seattle, I don't think Russ is going to be that bad again but if this finger continues to be an issue it's going to be hard for them to score as we know Russ Deshaun Watson some of these quarterbacks as great as they are their play style of scrambling around the backfield does lead to more sacks even in games where they can't put up points so I think that one makes some sense keep an eye on Latavius Murray I think he's going to be back they probably wouldn't have cut Le'Veon Bell otherwise and he did open up the week with the limited practice if not Hey, you know we got uh, we got we got Devontae sitting there at just fifty one hundred, and you can stack him with that Ravens defense thirty three hundred against Justin Fields. Same kind of idea with Russell Wilson, someone that will be taking a lot of sacks. Nick Chubb and the Browns defense at home against the Lions. Hey. Sometimes Andrew, everything we think is going to happen doesn't happen. But man, Nick Chubb against the Lions and the Browns defense against golf, or God forbid, knockoff. Like I do think that's pretty tough for it to bust. And then finally, I think maybe the two uh, chalkiest defenses of the week, but not egregiously chalky, are going to be the Browns and then also the Carolina Panthers at just twenty-seven hundred at home against Washington. So CMC and that Panthers defense. Hey, man, I could see it. Heineke coming off his best game of the year. Once again, though, like guys have their worst games. We don't expect them to be that bad next week. I also don't necessarily expect Heineke to be that good um, this week moving forward as well. And with the Panthers, man, if you just look at EPA per pass play and run play allowed, the Bills are clearly number one in the league. But in terms of overall defense, particularly now with Gilmore out there, I think Carolina has as good a case of anyone as having that number two D in the league. So Connor and the Cardinals, Devontae and the Ravens, Chubb and the Browns. CMC and the Panthers. Anything else you got to say about the defenses, Andrew? I know we talked already about Jacksonville and the Jets being the better salary savers at the position.
1: Yeah, I think that the the Bills are interesting at thirty two hundred. So they're not getting they're not really popular at four percent in terms of rostership projections. And I mean, they're the best DST in, in fantasy football. <laughs> like they, <Yeah. laughs> they've scored the most points because their defense just destroys bad quarterbacks. And look, is Carson Wentz a bad quarterback? know but we've seen him have bad games and kind of implode at points so yeah. he still turns over the or he has a lot of turnover where he plays he hasn't really turned over the ball that much but that could just mean maybe he's due for a, a couple yeah. interceptions or something like that so it, it would make sense that it would happen against one of the best defenses in the nfl in the buffalo bills so anytime i can play like a legit good defense and a good matchup that's not chalky like I, w- I will do that. So you don't have to pay up a lot for them either. They're at 3,200. So they're kind of that middle price range that I kind of think is a sweet spot. And I mean, it's the Bills defense, like, I don't, I don't feel bad about playing them like, oh, like can't be able to play Bill's defense against the Colts. Like, what was I thinking? <laughs> like, no, I think, I think it's a good play.
0: Yeah, this stretch that the Colts have actually been able to play here in recent weeks is uh pretty, pretty shoddy when you look a little bit closer, Andrew. <laughs> Jaguars, Jets, Titans, 49ers, Texans, Ravens, Dolphins. I mean, there's not it's not one atrocious team after another by any stretch, but Carson Wentz, certainly not back to MVP levels. It's good to see he's not at the 2020 version of himself either. Just realize whatever exists in between that, the guy we're seeing right now, certainly not, you know, completely incapable of. Thing. i like that call buffalo bills 3300 people if you enjoy the podcast if you enjoy the picks just enjoy andrew myself dray mcfarlane whoever in general just know that you can support the podcast by using promo code fantasy and get 25 off any pff subscription all the locked article content weekly player ranking strength of schedule tool betting dashboards player prop tools like you are spending this money to go make yourself more money in fantasy betting or you're doing it to have more fun and become a more knowledgeable football fan so we're not asking like for a donation we're asking you to pay get 25 off by using promo code fantasy and then improving your life improving your wallet and probably you know improving just everything about yourself so promo code fantasy 25 off any sub great day to be great gotta love it and also manscape just launched new products including their all-new ultra premium body wash and a two-in-one shampoo and conditioner it's time to give yourself or someone who needs it the gift a beautiful skin hair and balls this holiday season get 20% off and free shipping with the code PFF at manscaped.com what a deal 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use promo code PFF also people football fans who's ready to score some free bets now you can when you bet on any NFL game this week with DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NFL new customers who bet just $1 on either team to score can win $100 in free bets when a team scores you score download DraftKings Sportsbook app now use promo code PFF bet $1 on either team to score and win $100 free bets. If they score, you score a promo code PFF this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. An official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey and Denver Pennsylvania. Only new customers. Only minimum. $5 deposit. $1 wager. One per customer. Restrictive supply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem called 1-800-GAMBLER. And also, whether it's football success or financial savvy, the right questions help set the stage for winning strategies. Western and Southern is teaming up with PFF's very own Chris Collins wrote a share insights that can help put you ahead on both your fantasy and financial scoreboards. You can submit submit any financial or football questions at westernsouthern.com slash ask chris one more time that's westernsouthern.com slash ask chris if you're watching on youtube check out the link in the description below and he will be answering those on the chris collinsworth podcast each and every week remember with western southern you can rest assured on game day andrew it's time stack of the week and also we got The prop profit coming in. But before we get to your props, let's go with the favorite stack. I mentioned it briefly, but hey, man, Rodgers, Devontae Adams bringing it back with Justin Jefferson. It's going to cost you, but I think it could help create a little bit difference uh, in your lineup. And it is something where credit to the Packers defense. They've allowed 34 points over the last three weeks to Kyler, to Russ and to Mahomes. I still don't think they can stop Devontae Adams, mostly because I don't think anyone can stop Devontae Adams when him and A. Aaron are tuned in. So Rodgers, bring it back with Jefferson on the other side and go get arguably the most target hog wide receiver in all of football as everyone is instead going after their running back. So what is your favorite stack of Week 11, Andrew?
1: Yeah, you know, this this stack I may not even play, you know, in the early window, but then I may just swap onto it because I'm going to be buried, you know, after everything goes wrong in the one o'clock game. So I'm going to go with uh, Joe Burrow, double stack him with T Higgins and Jamar Chase and, and a guy we didn't talk about today, but uh, Brian Edwards, uh, 4,100 on the Raiders. Uh, yeah, Michael Gallup's going to be really, really popular and 4,100. Like that's the pivot you want. So if, if you're not like cashing early on, like you need to get off Gallup and Edwards, $100 less is a good price point that you can pivot to. So yeah, in tournaments, uh, yeah, we'll go with Brian Edwards.
0: Now for the main event, everybody, the prop profit, he's 11 and six on the season. He told you Dan Arnold over 38 and a half yards last week. That was easy. Stefan Diggs finally decided to blow up, <laughs> got just a few more than the 85 and a half receiving yards, but I thought the process was more than fine. Diggs had like 13 targets, nobody else had more than three. Hey, we probably knew that was going to happen at some point. I don't think there was a big reason to necessarily expect it was going to be week 11 of all weeks. But whatever, Andrew, 11 and six on the year, what do you got for the people this
1: week? I mean, I just, like, I, how ironic is it that the guy named Diggs just gives me a shovel to bury my own grave on and when I take the under for the first time all year, it's like, oh, okay, well, we're moving on. Enough of these unders. That's <laughs> lame. So I'm going to go with over Christian McCaffrey, 49 and a half receiving yards. Basically, like, If McCaffrey just doesn't get hurt, like I don't really see how he doesn't hit the over on this receiving line. So he has played four full games this year. He's been over 54 receiving yards in every single game. He has played fully except for week three when he left with an injury, he had only two catches for nine yards. I mean, look, we talked about his snaps being down, but his touches really are not like they're just basically not like when he's on the field, he just gets the ball. Like that's what they're doing. So they're limiting his snaps to kind of take wear and tear off his body, but they're not really limiting his touches. So again, he's been targeted on 43% of his routes over the past two weeks, second highest rate in the NFL. Like, yeah. So McCaffrey, I just don't see how he doesn't get here unless he gets hurt. And if he gets hurt, well, you're probably going to lose any prop with him anyway. You're going to lose all your money in cash. Like, it's just a disaster. So CMC, just play, please stay healthy. Um, And then we can win this prop. The next one is an over on AJ Dillon, uh, 65 and a half rushing yards. Again, you've talked about how the Minnesota Vikings defense is not one to be feared. We know that AJ Dillon's going to receive the majority of touches in this backfield. We know that the Bay Packers like to run the football. So I mean, anytime AJ Dillon has seen at least 12 carries in a game, like he's shot way over the 65 and a half rushing yards prop. So I think that it's way too low. The line is still not moved somehow. I don't know how many times I bet the over on it. And I'm still surprised. <laughs> I check in and be like, how is this not moved yet? And yeah, so AJ Dillon over 65 and a half rushing yards. I would like to mention, like I would have been on a Jordan Howard under, uh, but the line just like, plummeted down like it opened at like 50 yards and everyone was just like pounding the under on jordan howard versus Saints. so now it's at like 37 i'm just like you know what i missed the great number so i'm just gonna i'm just gonna avoid this for now so yeah i mean if you can find a jordan howard line that's like high somewhere then yeah just take the under on that but uh, yeah aj dylan over 65 and a half rushing yards and then over on christian mccaffrey 49 and a half receiving yards
0: like both those call Vikings, soft defense. Dylan, second in the NFL in percentage of carries to gain at least two yards after contact. Only Derrick Henry has a higher PFF rushing grade over the past two years, minimum 100 carries. Dylan has been fantastic with his opportunities, about to get more than ever this week. And also, that CMC over 49 and a half receiving yards. Maybe they're worried about the switch to Cam, but like he averaged 54 receiving yards per game in 2018, back when Cam was his quarterback. You have to go all the way back to his rookie year to find the last time he didn't average more than 49 and a half receiving yards per game even then he was at 40.7 i do agree that line is a little bit too low good stuff andrew people can find your start start them sit him column, your high leverage usage dfs cheat seat cheat sheet excuse me uh, on pff.com anything else you want to get off your chest my friend
1: yeah anytime the dfs cheat sheet doesn't work it turns into the dfs sheesh cheat sheet <laughs> she. <laughs> i like, it. I I like just, it when i when i go back and review i'm like yeah well that uh, did not work uh, sheesh uh so yeah no i mean yeah i'm on twitter at Andrew underscore on tiktok at Andrew underscore <laughs> and yeah everyone enjoy week 11 and get get hyped for thanksgiving week that that slate's gonna be a lot of fun to play
0: was giving me flashbacks. I had to take uh, like speech therapy classes when I was a kid. I couldn't freaking my tongue didn't work. My mind moved <laughs> too fast for my mouth to catch up. And we did the "She sells seashells by the seashore" and cheat sheet was putting me right back in that hole, Andrews. <laughs> so appreciate you for that. But you know what people we overcome, we learn how to talk and then we talk about fantasy football all day. So great day to be great. As always, go check out Andrew's stuff on pff.com and TikTok as well. Always giving you loads of good info on that. I try to start on with PFF Lily. I've just been lazy with it. Sometimes I try to, you know, expand. I'm like, oh, I'll start doing all these new things in my life. And then it just always comes back to uh fantasy football and just focusing only on football and days like today happen, Andrew where uh, my energy power company is like, yo, you got to pay your bill. We're going to shut off everything you own tomorrow if you don't do it now. So maybe uh, priorities, Andrew, (laughs) get more into the TikTok game and paying my uh, energy bills. So sorry, Duke Energy uh, took care of it. So... Anyway, more information and probably the people needed. But that's what you can get here at the end of some of these editions of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. As always, you can find my QB predictions, wide receiver, cornerback, and tight end analysis, breaking down all 32 backfields, in my favorite article each week that is always free, the Mismatch Manifesto, all at PFF.com. So thank you, as always, for tuning in. For Andrew, I'm Ian. Until next time, take care, everybody.